Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What the fuckadelics? What's happening? It's Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is my podcast. How are you? Today on the show is uh, the amazing Matt Sweeney. Don't know who Matt Sweeney is? You should. I'll explain it to you later. All right? Okay, but let's do this now. couple things. Australia, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, October 16th and, and around there. Go to WTFpod.com, uh, go to my calendar, and you can get informed on when I'm going to be there. Things are looking up. Everything's okay. I'm looking forward to come to Australia. I, I think I'll be worth it. I'm going to put on a good show. I'll give you, I'll give you the extra added, and I'll, I'll hang out and press the flesh and take some pictures and hold some babies if you'd like. I'm not encouraging anyone to bring babies to the show. All right, That was a troublesome. September 19th, I'll be at PodFest. And my guests on the live podcast will be a Los Angeles radio legend, Jim Ladd, and Los Angeles other radio legend, uh, Fraser Smith. We're going to talk about the old days, back when uh, podcasting was some sort of weird, futuristic idea that no one even came up with. What? Doing a pre-recorded radio show in your house? Come on! That's crazy talk. What? The President of the United States is going to come to your house. No way. You're out of your fucking mind, man. You should be on medicine. What else? Oh, yeah, John Hodgman was supposed to come on. We were going to hang out and do something because he's got a thing going on, and I like to help my pals. I like Mr. Hodgman. Hodgman and I have been through some shit. I lost two of his fucking episodes before we finally nailed one. I didn't lose one. I lost one. The other one stunk, not because of him, because of the situation. It was a live situation. But then we got a good one. But he's out and about. He's out on the road. He's on tour with his new show, Vacation Land. Over the weekend, it kicked off. But you can see him all over the country for the next few weeks. Go to johnhodgman.com slash tour to see the Hodge man. So, Matt Sweeney. All right, here's the deal with Matt Sweeney. Blake Mills, Matt Sweeney's a guitar player, but he's also a guy that, I think he's a guy that people like to have around, and that's not a bad quality. Blake Mills said, you and Matt Sweeney got to hang out, and I'm like, who's Matt Sweeney? So then I start looking into Matt Sweeney. He does this thing for uh, on YouTube for Vice, I believe, called Guitar Moves, and it's just him sitting with a guitar player, him trying to learn shit from the guitar player. I can appreciate that. Matt seems like a pretty good guitar player, but I still don't know who he is. Then I find out Matt's in this band called Chavez. I don't fucking know anything about Chavez because I'm not late to the party. I just missed the fucking party completely, but fortunately now, the party's ongoing. There's no more missing the party. 
So I get uh, Chavez's Greatest Hits, which is a you know like a double CD. I listen to that sort of over and over again uh, in Florida. It's kind of punk rock, kind of art rock, kind of math rock, whatever you want to call it. It's a thing. So then I'm like, so now I'm in the Matt Sweeney situation. I understand Matt Sweeney. And then I remember I got this fucking record from Drag City by uh, Matt Sweeney and Bonnie Prince Billy, Will Oldham. I got a lot of Will Oldham records. I can only take so many at a time. I listen to them slowly. But the Matt Sweeney Will Oldham record, Super Wolf, is a fucking great record. It's one of those records. I didn't really know who Matt Sweeney was. I knew a little bit about Will Oldham and Bonnie Prince Billy. But Super Wolf, I put it on without knowing anything. And I'm like, what is this magical piece of fucking wax? God damn it. What is this? The Super Wolf album is fucking monumental. It's one of the best records I fucking have. I love that goddamn record. And that's a Matt Sweeney, Will Oldham joint, that thing. So now I'm a little more hip to Matt Sweeney. And then I finally meet him. And man, like we hung out in New York. He went with me. We went to an amp shop. We played some guitar. He showed me some Burnside licks. And then we hung out. He's part owner of a fucking veggie burger down there in the East Village called Superiority Burger. But he's one of those dudes. You know, you know those dudes you meet in your life where you're like, that, I wonder what that dude's up to. Let's call him up and see what's going on with him. He's that guy. I've never been that guy. No one has ever said, man, maybe we should call Marin and have him come. That's never happened unless it was at a sympathy. But Sweeney seems like one of those cats where it's sort of like, yeah, I kind of want to hang around with that guy. He seems cool. He may not cop to that, but I think that's uh, I think that's sort of who he is. But he's got some fucking stories, man, because he, he was sort of around it. He's, like, he's kind of like... I don't know how you describe it, but shit just happens to him and, they, and they're pretty important somehow. And he makes great music. And then I find out from him that you know, he was vo- he's involved with the Endless Boogie record, that he's involved with um, like you know, him and Blake are buddies. He played, he, it's crazy. You, 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 you just have to listen to it. And then he just told me that he's part of this other thing that of course, I, maybe you Pitchfork readers know about this shit, but I don't fucking know about shit. I don't know about anything, but this Soldiers of Fortune record, which is like like some super group of alt people, Kid Millions, Barry London, Jesper Eklo, Brad Trow, Mike Bones. I didn't know any of those people till this morning. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I'm happy Matt and I are friends. We send back, uh, we send, uh, he sends me music to listen to and we chit chat about shit, about guitars and things. He's a good cat. And uh, this was a fun talk. Before I bring you Matt Sweeney, the music on today's show is some of my guitar noodling that's been mixed with full instrumentation by this dude, DJ Copley. He's on Twitter as WebPuppy45 if you want to check out his stuff. Matt Sweeney, now, now. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades, 
needs or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Ow. I've had this. This is like the $90 chocolate. Yes. From I, where the fuck do they make this? They make it in Brooklyn, right? And I'm friends with the guys, and I asked them because they would give it. They give this shit to, to me for free, and I yeah. got addicted to it. So I was eating like two a day. I was like yeah. working on a record. So I, like I was hooked. That's you know? how they get you. Yeah, your exactly. friends. Yeah, but like so. Like here's the thing about about you, Matt Sweeney. Yes. Huh. Who the fuck aren't you friends with? Huh? <laughs> I mean, I like you. You got a chocolate connection. You got you know Johnny Cash. I'm you know, old. You, Sam Dillon taught you how to play guitar. Not even a Dillon that plays guitar. <laughs> He's the best guitar player, Dylan. Adam, Sam Dillon. He's, he's he's incredible. How'd you know that guy? He went to Hampshire College. Uh, you like, went to Hampshire? No, I went to Northwestern, but three my three best friends from New Jersey all went to Hampshire College, all kind of separately. You and, grew up uh, in uh, New Jersey? Uh-huh, in uh, Maplewood and South Orange. My dad taught at Seton Hall University. What, what did he teach? He was Chaucer. He's all Chaucer? Just it, Canterbury Tales all day I long? I mean, that and classics. Medieval English was, was his specialty. And he's taught there for 50 years. And by the end, he just got to like do an honors class where he would tri- like Once take him around the world. Yeah, he, and he would, he would have like a month-long trip that he would take a class to and stuff. He, so he grew up in academia? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And your mom? I mean, was she a teacher? My mom, my mom met my dad when she was teaching at Seton Hall. But then she became a lawyer and then became a judge. Your mom's a judge? Federal judge. You, <laughs> to this day? To this day. And your dad's a, an academic, he, a he's, scholar. He's no longer with us, but he, uh, yeah, he was, well, I, he was an academic, but he never published. He was, he, he was a Jesuit, right? Yeah. And uh, in 1957, he left, which was Vatican II. Does anybody know about Vatican II? Do you sure, know about sure. I, I mean, I'll, I'll pretend like I do. Okay. I, I remember it being something. The Catholic Church changed all the rules, right. and they kind of got lax, and they got rid of the Latin Mass, and they got rid of everything that my dad was interested in, like all the kind of incense and uh, kind of... Uh, <laughs> all uh, the witchcraft. Yeah, pretty much. Because yeah, like, the... Like the, the, the Jesuits are into the... the, uh, the what's the word? You know... Uh, not magic with a K, but uh, yeah. spiritual <laughs> sure. and and the, know, the swinging arcane. orbs, the yeah, smoking yeah. orbs. So he he bails and he's twenty seven. He moves to Bleecker and McDougal in right. nineteen fifty seven. Oh, gets what? his mind blown. A virgin, <laughs> a virgin I mean, Jesuit like, moves yeah. to that place to Jazzland. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, he he got a, a tenured position at Seton Hall at a really young age. And, and so he just, he never cared about publishing. He never, he, he just wrote it out, wrote it out. But he, and he was a bagpiper. He was really into music and he played in like 10 different bands. The and, bagpipes. Yes. Did he play on ACDC's first album? No. Cause I don't really <laughs> think those are bagpipes. I, I, I you don't think, have well, you studied it. There's like, there's the way that, that it starts in that, in that song, they, it sounds like a, uh, it so, sounds like a synthesizer to me. Long way to the top if you yeah. want to rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt Sweeney here on this show has said that it's a synthesizer. I think. I mean, but it's I know okay. That, I just want you to come down one side or the other. Bagpipe or synthesizer? I think that on the record is a synthesizer, but I know that okay. Bon Scott used to play the bagpipe live, and apparently it was really difficult, and it, and it was a, a huge chore for him, and it was like a prop that he Really made. a huge chore for a dwarf alcoholic <laughs> to play the bagpipes? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was a little rough. <laughs> it winded the little man. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. So I got I I grew up around music and stuff. But that but that's very so- sophisticated. Uh, you know, highbrow upbringing. It was cool. They they weren't into rock and roll, which was really nice. Like, but they, did, what was your first instrument? Was it? Did you learn to clarinet? Play? Really? Yeah, clarinet player. Well, you know, like you, because back when they ha- when you had to play an instrument in schools, yeah, you know, sure. Uh, I I I think my dad kind of chose it for me. Yeah, I think uh, my brother played clarinet briefly. You got to wet your reed. Yeah, yeah, yep. and then uh, blow a few tunes out. Did you have any uh, a proclivity to it? To I, you know, I or? could I couldn't read music well, but I could memorize anything. So I I was I kind of got far just bullshitting. You know, like I, I so I could. I I sat, you know, like in first chair, whatever that means. And sure, I could play, but I really didn't know what I was reading. I would just like hear it once and then just kind of figure it out. Really? So you had that, and you could play the clarinet. Yeah, yeah. You got brothers and sisters. I got an older brother who lives in L.A. who makes uh, he he plays music as well. He does music for Kitchen Nightmares. Yeah, well, I don't know them. You know Kitchen? No, no the, I the don't. The TV show, dude. Oh, oh the, the really? Gordon Ramsay show. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay show. Yeah. He's the guy going like, like yeah, 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 yeah. When Gordon Ramsay loses his yes. shit and yells at people to yes. get it together, yes, and storms out into the street, mm-hmm. your brother's music comes in. You <laughs> yes. can watch that and go, "That's my bro." Yes, he does all those cues and oh, all that stuff. It's God bless him for helping out. <laughs> So, all right, so you're in New Jersey, so that means you're close to Hoboken, you're close to New York. That's correct. I you have access. How old are you? Now I'm 45. All right, so you're a little younger than me, but we're old guys, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were old, you know, you were, you're old enough to have been young enough to sort of get into the end of the punk rock shit here. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I was really lucky, because, so, you know, I was in high school from like 80, you know, in the, in the mid-80s when everything sucked everything i thought was terrible but but there's really hey i was i was there in the late 70s that was better a little bit but it's it kind of shitty too but the, the what i mean by that is that there's an underground like there's a really there is such a need like what what was mainstream was so terrible that there's this need for an underground and there was tons of great music so like i got into hardcore music kind of via skateboarding and then I, so i got well into, that's when sort of when that happened because i remember when i was in high school from like 77 to 81 like disco we saw it die mm-hmm. but punked into integrate until later so we got new wave right was what the mainstream music became and then then mainstream rock was like i was in high school when the first van halen album came out the, the greatest. first right yeah. and the first dire straits album came out mm-hmm. and uh, and foreigner mm-hmm. was around there was a lot of hot-blooded. Yeah. I think that was early on. I love that shit. I, I love Do you? For, I really love Foreigner. I, I think it's just it's music I liked when I was a, like a little kid. I, I heard it at the amusement park, and I remember. I sure, man. It. But it feels uh, like the first time. Oh yeah. So you're in high school and okay, you're, yeah, you're so processing so, the skate shit. Yeah, yeah. And I, I see a picture of his band. That, it's a bunch of guys, and it says the Sun City Girls, and it just kind of. And, and I think I saw a picture of the Butthole Surfers, and that right. was it. I was like, I have to know what this this stuff is. And then the, and it was the all Butthole like, Surfer does require that of you. It's like, what is what, that? Yeah, and you're, you know, this is like '83 or '84, and you're like, you how know, old are you? Uh, at, at that point, I'm 13. You know, oh my like, god. Yeah, you know, it was you were enchanted completely, and and I'd already gotten into music, and I really loved like. Rush and Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. And I was already playing music, but when I heard that stuff, it just blew my mind and I really got into that stuff. So then by the end of high school, I had a band and we got to like, we got to open up for Sonic Youth, you know, when, when I was Which like- Which band Sonic. was that? We were called Skunk. That we, was like famous though. Like, aren't you, isn't that relatively well known? Eh, we're goofy. We're, we're, we're well, we were, go- I mean, I, I, I cringe when I, when I hear it. Although the guitar stuff is really cool, but we were, we didn't know what we were doing. We were really, really young. Right. And, and, uh, it was kind of very Minneapolis sounding, very like Husker Du. 
that and replacements and soul asylum who were actually sure. they were so well that sounds lame actually what but they, i don't want to say they were actually great but the, in the 80s they were so incredible that band in particular i remember because i grew up in this arena rock got into punk rock and then i saw soul asylum open up for husker do and they kind of sounded like aerosmith or something like that but they sure were, but they were so like tight and violent little neutered really Just, violent? Violent. they were bad really they were so good and ask anybody who was there they, they will swear that soul asylum for like the for like in like 1986 was the best like kind of post-punk band going no i know that but then there's a the whole sort of like well what the fuck happened i don't know I, I, it seemed like a cultural turn more than a turn of, of them as a band yeah i mean and it was it was weird but actually and it was fun. also when you're in high school you love a band and then you don't like a band anymore yeah like they make one lame movie like oh my god fuck, fuck them, them you know but like how, old, how much older is your brother my brother's two years older he was like more straight kind of like he had jersey shore type buddies and stuff like that so he was playing uh springsteen he, that kind of stuff and uh, his his band was like yeah they were like they would play high school dance oh he had a band yeah he was he's an incredible drummer he like he was like the rush guy he like worked a couple of summers got the giant neil pert rush oh, really? set did he get a gong uh yeah we had, he had a gong? Yeah, the whole fucking thing yeah <laughs> he smoked he was he was like the most he was like the drummer in town so then did he play alone at home with earphones on uh a little bit he always had kids to play with him yeah. we, we had like the rock house you know right. like we had the house that my dad was was like you know we didn't have a lot of money but he was he, he was like if you want to play sports or do music i'll like i'll foot the bill right you know, like so and then uh he my parents divorced in high school and my dad kind of was sort of depressed and the house i was just completely unsupervised and <laughs> completely and it's, it's amazing and luckily i wasn't into drugs or anything like yeah. that i was just into music and so it, my house was this, this what your dad was zone. just what in, in the room he was kind of like he was puttering in the basement and then and you know hanging out with his with his bagpiper buddies and he, he was just was kind of like so your dad was sad out. He was sad. Wandering about and yeah. occasionally would play bagpipes with some other men. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, oh, it was. <laughs> but it was a really great scene. So we got to, you know, I got to play tons and tons and tons of music and kind of figure stuff out. And I got to like hate on my brother's friends who were like kind of technical, technical kind of rock jocks. Yeah. But then at the same time, because I was kind of good at memorizing stuff, I would like act like I hated them and watch them play and then like yeah, figure out a you still do that you make like that. you make short uh, pieces where you do that yeah do, I mean yeah kind with, of yeah. What, guitar moves right yeah, yeah. it's just you going like oh fuck I'm playing with this guy that's some of those <laughs> some of those like the, the Gibbons one was insane well it was right? uh, it was kind of weird and sad to see Billy get sort of loopy <laughs> Like he got his face all got all red from gets, the wine. It's this one moment he turns, you see him, he goes, done deal. <laughs> he gets, he gets like but he's incredible. I mean, that was, the, the, well, you were asking them how I know a lot of people. And, yeah. and and other than the fact that I was, I started young playing in bands, you know, that, mm -hmm. and making records at a pretty young age. So I got to meet a lot of people that way. And Let's then, talk about Skunk though. Because yeah. what, like, Skunk is amazing. Oh my God. But like you were, what, 14, 15? When when yeah when I started playing with those dudes yeah what, what what guitar are you playing? I had what was it? I had like a Yamaha guitar and then yeah. I didn't I got a Les Paul my freshman year in college black what? one I uh I had a, I got a black one yeah yeah I got what are, what are they, the they called black beauties yeah yeah. yeah 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 two gold humbuckers yep yeah that was your good that's not a punk rock guitar no I you know <laughs> but the thing is by the time that we started doing a band we'd already kind of been through punk hardcore as we knew it had kind of the first wave had run their course meaning meaning black flag had broken up you know, right. that's one way of putting it you know right. what i mean and like uh i think you talked with with uh with kirk from the me puppets about this just like this 
things had moved on. So by the time that I was playing a band, we were kind of post-punk and into like arena rock and into like guitar solos and stuff like that. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. And like, um, it was really goofy. Like, I mean, which, like which guys? Like were we covered guys? Iron Maiden, knowing that it was not cool to cover Iron Maiden. So you know there is I mean? like, ironic. It was, but we loved it. You right. know what I mean? Like right. so it was. Like, but for the audience, you knew that it was. Yeah, red ironic. Yeah, I mean, like we were kind of pushing it. Like yeah. a, a band like Red Cross at the time was like our favorite. Was one of our favorite bands. Right. Uh, um, and again, they were really retro, and they were, they would cover Kiss songs and yeah, stuff. But yeah, they yeah. were one of the first punk bands so you know right like, so it was cool it was cool yeah we and, can take the piss out of this by playing it perfectly yeah kind of yeah and yeah. And, and and again through there was a guy called andrew weiss who was ween's guy like us and ween both got recorded by this guy named andrew weiss uh who this is skunk this is skunk yeah i met ween when we were in high school are you they were in fan? high school i you know i i, I have and i've not entered the world completely oh my god but but Watch I, the guitar moves I did. With, I did. I watched it. Did, did you watch one with Mickey yeah. from Ween? He's great. Yeah, he's like, I mean, <laughs> he's like a like, wizard. Yeah, uh, I mean, and and they were, they were like our favorite band, and we kind of came up with them, you know. And uh, are they about? They were kids too. They right? were like a year younger. Yeah, and and, and they started when they're like thirteen or something like that. I met them when when they were like fifteen or sixteen, all through this guy Andrew and Trenton. Um, in Jersey. In Jersey, yeah. This is all like kind of Jersey. Jersey weird DIY stuff, you know what I mean? Kind yeah. of post-punk, kind yeah. of like City Gardens we played a lot at. Um, Maxwell's we played a lot at. Um, yeah, what's the story over at Maxwell's? You were, you were like, a, a, the, uh, like a high school band playing at Maxwell's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we were such dicks. Oh, my God, we were such assholes. You know, I played, I played Yellow Tango's uh, Hanukkah Weeks. Yes. Yeah. Do you got to tell me the story again about how Ira had to show you how to, <laughs> what was that about? I poor Ira had to okay so Steve the owner of, yeah. of Maxwell's really like skunk for some yeah, reason yeah, yeah, and yeah. uh and he's like you guys have to get a sound guy because we're really loud you know and he's like and he knew that we were going to go on tour and he goes do you have a buddy who's gonna who can do your sound we we're like sure so we got my friend Paul um to come to Maxwell's yeah. he's like yeah I'll he's like I'll have our house sound guy teach your guy how to do sound I'll give you guys an <laughs> afternoon meanwhile like if I were Ira, I don't think that there's a note of Skunk's music that he would like. We right. were like kind of, I think, everything that he hated. Right, you know, right. Because we were like really obnoxious and like, again, doing Iron Maiden songs and yeah. shit like that. And and like, uh, so he, he has to show up and he was just like He's, so he was a bummed. sound guy? Yeah, yeah. He had to yeah. show up and show our friend who didn't know anything about sound. <laughs> and so we were just like, we just made noise and played like awful heavy metal for like three hours and, 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 uh. and knowing we knew exactly how much he hated it. <laughs> I know? wonder if he remembers that. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you're doing skunk. Okay, so I'm doing. So you so, find some success. I mean, sort of. I mean, like with six, I'm getting to open up for. We, I think our first real show was opening up for Sonic Youth and Dinosaur. Um, and and that's they, a pretty they big were, show. Where yeah, was that? In Jersey. That was at City Gardens, and then we played with Sonic Youth at CB's, and 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 at that time it was really for me exciting because like 86 87 all those all the bands that that we really liked just made these really great records like uh dinosaur made you're living all over me which is like this great record yeah um, sonic Youth made sister you know like all these bands were really kind of peaking you know and i was i'm like in high school just like all i cared about was this stuff so right. i was really really stoked right and then we all the band kind of collapsed because we went to college everyone went to different schools and but over breaks we kind of got a little better and we made some demos with with that same guy andrew weiss and then we got signed to twin tone records which was like the replacements label right and soul Asylum's label and uh we were kind of barely a band at that point because i mean we were all just college kids then we didn't live together but we kind of got it together and made a record and 
we kind of started to suck then. <laughs> when he got tight, I things think, got tight. I mean, we they kind of got tight. We were just we were just really obnoxious and and uh, we kind of we kind of blew it. Like really, yeah, I think. But so. those were the records. Those was, those were like while you were in college or just post college. That's when the skunk records came out, not yes. when you were kids. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. In 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 college, like we had had, you know, we were playing in senior year of high school and doing these shows, and then we got the music together over the course of like freshman sophomore of college, and then I think our I think the first skunk record came out in '89, or right? Something like that. And then we, that was a really weird time. But like, put it this way, like. By the time that we broke up, I felt like some sort of grizzled veteran, you know, and I was like 21. 20. I was like really bitter, <laughs> super bitter. Like it was everybody's fault. That but there's got to be people out there that are like those skunk records were the best. You know, there, there's, you know, who really likes this and I'm, I'm fully fucking name dropping. But he every time I see him, he's really sweet about it. Is Jack Black really like skunk. He I, does. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Some he some was here the last time I was here. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's he's fucking awesome. Um. Uh. He really likes it. So some people, we do, we do have a couple of fans. They're, they're cute. Like the vocals are goofy, um, but there's a lot of ideas going on. There's, there's a lot to yeah. that band. And, but, but anyway, so, so then I, I quit. I dropped out of college. Skunk imploded, and I just didn't know what to do with myself. And I, I thought that I was just done with music. I was really despondent. And, yeah. and then uh, I got a job in New York working for CMJ, which is like this college music journal. You know, it's Right, like a, that was huge. They used to put out packages for the for the cm for the what's the, that the thing the, the like, big thing yeah yeah which was like was basically what south by southwest is right now. they'd be at brownies was, in the mercury lounge and everywhere and i used to get yeah. those packages of cmj collections yeah yeah of bands yeah yeah exactly like compilations yeah yeah so it, here it was, you were a guitar player yeah I, so, and so you got a gig you got a job I, I i get a job and and but i'm like post music i i was just like kind of embarrassed about everything that about how skunk went down i just thought that everybody hated us and i and so you were hanging that, up your guitar i totally did it was awesome <laughs> it was like i don't know you're you like know, fuck this the drama you know like yeah i was really like, yeah and then um but then i was kind of knocking around new york and somebody heard that i was a bass player this guy named dave reed heard i was a bass player and even though i was a guitar player and and he was like he's like you want to start i'm starting this band uh, with James Lowe from Live Skull, who's a band that I really liked. Yeah, and I was like, sure, yeah, I, pl I play bass. So then I kind of i I came in at a uh, I sort of came in like, okay, I'm just gonna pretend I never played in a band. I'm gonna play in somebody else's band. It's gonna be a kind of music that bass. That, yeah, I'm gonna play bass in like a really noisy kind of like uh, this guy played with Glenn Branca and mm -hmm. the band sort of sounded like like Helmet, but more arty and and more noisy. And, yeah, and kind of more kind of more interesting i don't know um and so then i started playing music again i met this guy james and around that time i also roadied for I, I was just fully humiliating myself i think the whole thing was like i don't play i'll, I'll, I'll be a roadie. experiment you know? and shame yeah i'm gonna beat the shit out of myself yeah yeah totally gonna, like, not only am i gonna give up on my dream but i'm yeah. gonna go support serve. others yeah, yeah. in the most menial way possible exactly i'm gonna serve the you know the the the, the you're, you're like a jesuit yeah <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, you're, you're, this is self punishment. Well, so so Clay Tarver, uh, this guy, the, the, this guy who I still do a band with, uh, at that time had a band called Bullet Lavolta, and they were a band. I that, remember them. Yeah, and there's like kind of like this is around the time that before Nirvana blew up, all these bands were getting signed, and Lavolta was one of these bands that was supposed yeah. to be huge. And by the time that it was that they definitely weren't going to be huge, they had this kind of big tour, and I roadied for them, and I became friends with Clay. His band broke up, and Clay moved to New York. 
and we went out karaokeing. And this was when there wasn't karaoke machines, this right? Pre karaoke machines. When there's there's a band there's on Ninth Street a place called Candy B One that had live Japanese band that knew like two thousand songs, and you would just get up in front the band. That was the. They were, was the, it was live karaoke. It was live karaoke, but that's all karaoke really was, was live, was right. just like you get to be the singer. Yeah. You know? And so we, and I had never met the Matador guys. Clay was friends with the Matador guys. And me and Clay at this point were friends. And we were like, we would like smoke pot and talk about music and yeah. stuff like that. And um, and also he was sort of humiliated and burnt out on playing music. And and uh, um, we karaoke and we did Bridge Over Troubled Water. You too. <laughs> yeah, you and Clay. And... And then and Claire's like, we should do a band. I think we should do a band. Really? That was it? And well, the was other it. guy who was there was Chris from Matador, that was, was the other dude that we were partying with like, right. like that night. And that's that was how this band Chavez. That was the birth of Chavez? Straight up, yeah. <laughs> Chavez is one of these bands where like, I'm, I was like way late. Right. Somebody told me about him. Yeah. And, it, like, and then I started seeing you on Twitter. And then I started seeing you on records. And right. I didn't know who the fuck you were. Yeah. And then everyone's like, well, they, he was, you know, Chavez and who everyone is. I don't know who everyone is. Twitter. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm like, oh, and then he, we start like talking to each other on Twitter. And you right. know Blake Mills. So now I got to get the Chavez records. Yeah. So I go down to Florida to visit my mother with the double album with all the Chavez uh -huh. stuff. And I'm just running. I'm jogging. Oh, I'm listening cool. to that shit. Oh, cool. And I'm, I plowed into my brain. I'm like, I got to get a handle on this guy. Yeah. But then that guy doesn't match up with the dude is playing with billy and blake on oh well right or doesn't yeah, yeah. match up with the bonnie prince billy that i yeah. listened to super wolf last night oh cool and that like and then like then endless boogie and then like and then then i start looking up your shit and i'm like who the fuck doesn't this guy play with <laughs> well it's, so it kind of went like this so so with chavez so we started the band yeah and, and i got a day job working for a pr company that uh, a guy called steve martin i know i i work with them yeah <laughs> Steve Martin, the asshole, not the jerk, as they say. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, he he had this idea. He was in uh, Agnostic Front, and he was in some other cool bands. And and he was and this is when all of our friends' bands were getting signed to major labels. And Steve had this idea, like let's start a PR company so our so we could represent our friends. You were there at the beginning of Nasty Little Man. Yeah, yeah. So you were there. You were kind of partnering with this. Is like you not committing to music. Still. Yes. Yeah. Totally. It was you're like, again you're, serving, and 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 part of the game was like not telling anybody that I was in a band because I was, you know, I, I wanted to be professional. You, so you're you secretly know. doing Chavez, pretty much. Yeah. And and doing PR for who? We did like the Beastie Boys. We did we did Dinosaur Junior. We did the, this is like early on. Uh, so all of them knew you as the guy at the office. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I've like like. <laughs> Like Josh from Queens, like didn't know that I played guitar for years, and a lot of a lot of Josh Homme, yeah, a, a, a lot of people that I was like friends with, I just wouldn't tell them that I, you know, that I played because I thought it'd be kind of. But you were secretly jamming. Yeah, and and us and Chavez did well, so so we ended up doing pretty good. But we had this whole thing. That band was like, we had decided that we wouldn't do anything that we did not want to do, meaning that we wouldn't play with a band that we didn't like, that we wouldn't go on tour forever if there wasn't a demand for it, that we wouldn't stay on some junkie's floor. You know what I mean? Well, tell me about the drummer, the, the, James. Yeah. <laughs> he's the best. Because like somebody called it math rock, and yeah, I, 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 I don't. Think, it doesn't that's fit. That's racist because James is Chinese. I think that's that's why. They, oh, really? I, I think so. Yeah. I just go, like I don't it's even straight know up what racist. it is. But when I think of math rock, I think of King Crimson. So yeah, I, I was trying to place it together. I couldn't couldn't hear it. It frustrated me at the time. Actually, you know, David Clyler invented math rock to describe the noise band wider that I played in because that had a lot of weird parts. And David Clyler, I swear to God, he called it math rock as a diss, as a joke. He would he would pretend to have a calculator when he right. was watching us. And, oh, right. and then with which 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 band? This band wider. That was the noise band that I played right. in. Like like when I didn't know what I was doing. And, right. Okay. And. and uh, that's when you do a noise band. Yeah, and and, and uh, <laughs> they, they were really cool. They were really great. Um, but 
they were complicated. And so this guy, Dave, would, would pretend to have a calculator at our shows and he'd like, like he'd, he'd be like calculating it and then, then he'd kind of like, you know, give, the, give the look like, oh, like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you guys are so good. he was being it, a dick. He was being a dick. Yeah. And then, then people started straight face, like there's a genre called math rock, you know, which was beyond me. And then Chavez started getting called that. I really do think it's because we could play, we had a Chinese drummer, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were just trying to do, and we still are just trying to do like, kind of like the interesting or the weird parts of Blue Oyster, Blue Oyster Cult or, or like Cheap Trick, you know, right. you know, right, Dream right, Police, yeah. the yeah. big, the big buildup in Dream yeah, Police, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, or like a Rocks, Aerosmith, like, the, like this kind of like, e we want to just kind of play evil rock, just do our build. own take. You just want the build part? Yeah. And like, and just like the, the high drama, right. yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like, like, uh, but without being like, we just that, okay, that, so, that, that's our thing so know. Chavez Chavez is doing that and so, you're, you're doing publicity I'm doing publicity I'm doing Chavez where do you learn how to finger pick from Sam Dillon that was around around that okay so around that time my friend Dan who who was one of the guys who went to Hampshire College which is how I know Sam Dan was Hampshire College fucking hippie college oh man I know tell me about that's it that's the one in Amherst right yeah oh, there's yeah. Reed in Hampshire Reed in Oregon yeah, and then, and, and then there's another one that closed, Antioch. That one, that one was so hippie that they just they they imploded on themselves. The, the, uh, everyone was majoring in leaving school. No, yeah, for real. That doesn't, <laughs> it, it just straight doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, I had dropped out of college, and, and uh, all my friends were going to Hampshire, and they were friends with Sam Dillon, and they the, they were the anti hippie contingent, and they and they were, they were really into like death metal and noise and swans and all this kind of music, and and Sam was was like not. A hippie at all this is know? jacob's older brother correct yeah um and uh anyway we got we got to be friends and in in the quest for extreme music we uh somebody found a charlie Patton record and that oh, was evil blues yeah and, and yeah there's that song and and, and uh my, my friend dan margulies uh who's who's a, this genius historian guy now um he he got us he got us into old time music. So we started going to or he started going to these festivals at the, uh, these bluegrass festivals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this one in Charlotte, Michigan, which is like we were the only young people there. And so every year we would go to this festival, and my friends started to learn how to play. And Sam just like took to finger picking. And I remember when I saw him do it, I my mind was completely blown. I was like, how the fuck do you do that? Yeah. How do you do that? And I'd been listening to. Stuff you know, I, I've been listening to Drake, and you know, like I've been listening to finger picking stuff, like, and, and I love. But he was doing like almost ragtime finger picking. Yeah, it was just like I mean, and like I also love Leo Kotke, like right. that, that six and twelve. But I just, I, I just assumed it was impossible to I do. I can't do it. Yeah, and but dude, you could totally learn. Uh, really? I mean, yeah, is um, it like juggling through repetition? You get it? Yeah, I could show you like one pattern, and that's what Sam showed me two patterns, and everything that I do is based off of these two patterns. And it took it took me like a week, and I, I remember it's the most frustrating thing because you want to do it so bad, and, and it is like juggling, right? You know? Eventually you get that third ball you, you get just that go really ball yeah yeah it's it and dude it opens up every it's sam put it this way sam sam goes you know why the you know like why there are old guys sitting on the porch for hours and hours drinking themselves happily to death he's like because they know how to do this one thing <laughs> he's like yeah, and he's like he's uh, that's all he said i was like okay you know and i wonder so, if his dad can do it uh, uh he, you know weirdly he can't he does it on uh he does it sparingly but he does it on uh buckets of rain Mm -hmm. Is that something? How about on? Yeah. What about on Karina Karina? Yeah, that that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't do it. He rarely does it. It's weird. Um, well, he, it seems like he at some point he gave up his fingers altogether. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't even play guitar anymore it's, it's, at it's, all. His hands hurt, right? Is that the, is that the deal? I don't know. You're don't his know. friend. I, I, I gotta ask. <laughs> so so the it's so funny thing, to me though. It's not the deal in the place. No, the, he plays, but he's not the no. he's, he's not the guy who tried he's to be a musician. Yeah. He's he's he's. Uh, 
he's he's amazing. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to ask him if it's okay to talk about him because he's super private. Uh, um, but well, we're not but, doing anything other than saying you learned yeah, how to play guitar. Yeah, and also, I mean, I do want to give him props because he's one of the best musicians I, and that, that I know. I love um, knowing that. I yeah. love knowing that the Dylan that doesn't even deal with music is the best musician. You should have him on. He's a he's a criminal defense attorney. He's a bad motherfucker. So I was doing Chavez, but yeah. then Chavez started to slow down a little bit. I, just the finger picking thing was just like a separate thing. I I, I just. But then I, you put down the pick and you you only finger pick. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Really? Because you don't really need a pick anyway. I mean, if you have to do that, you just do that. Use your nail. Do you, you know? use your thumb? Yeah, but the finger picking I I really got into. Then Chavez slowed down because of, of a bunch of different things. Like uh, our bass player started to get get too many jobs working as a, making music videos or something like Which that. Which one is the writer now? The Clay. Guitar. Okay, so Clay Clay Tarver. He's yeah. a guitar player though, right? He's, he's he, yeah, me and the Clay other guitar the band. Right. Yeah. And 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 Bridge he's, over trouble and water. Yeah, and Clay's kind of the leader, even though like I sing and write the lyrics and stuff. Clay still is really the guy who like drives the band and stuff. And and uh, he he started getting a lot of jobs, you know, uh, writing jobs because uh, he worked at MTV and he was the guy who did the cab driver uh, promos. So this is a guitar player for for Chavez. Mm -hmm. He he wrote the oh the Donal Loge promos. Mm -hmm. Just by because he knew Donal Loge, how did he get the? Yeah, they were college roommates. So that's how that happened. Yeah, so yeah. he's writing for him. So then he gets wrecked. So what's his trajectory? He Clay's trajectory is is he writes a script based on the cab driver, yeah. which of course never gets made, but a lot of people see and. Uh, and he started getting everybody loved that script, and so I think J.J. Abrams was the guy right. who, who started giving Clay work. You it's know, crazy. It's so fucking wild. Yeah. It's then insane. you lose, you lose your guitar player. Oh yeah. So so meanwhile, so he he starts doing stuff. James, our drummer, is this genius who like who designs. I mean, he like does. Uh, he did something with like the computer mainframe of Merrill Lynch to to make to make the chain of command like a split second quicker. Yeah, you know, for money things. So yeah. There's one thing that he can do, and he, he helped design stents. He for hearts for hearts or something. He he He's wins your drummer. Yes, he wins Bessie <laughs> Awards for for uh, for modern dance compositions. He's like so fucking advanced. So he's doing his thing. Clay's doing his thing. And you're just a guitar yeah, guy. Yeah, I'm just a fucking idiot. You know, like, so, you know, I was like, oh, I guess I'll get good at finger picking. You know, <laughs> it, it takes some time to play. Yeah. So, yeah. So Are then, you still doing publicity? Yeah. I, I, and then, and, and, and it was, that job was really cool because I could kind of, you know, take on as much as I could take on and, yeah. and come and go. Um, and, but right when Chavez was kind of done, I saw Andrew WK play. Yeah. And I think I had taken ecstasy for the first time. And I went up to him. And this is when Andrew just played by himself to a tape. And With his white pants and yeah, his white yeah, shirt. Yeah, and he was 18, you know. And and uh, I was like, I, I was like, man, can I be your manager? I mean, I was, I was, I, I was, I was high as shit. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and in like short order, I got him like a really huge record deal. And it was the only time I ever did anything like this. And A and R. Yeah, and or, or managing, you know. And, so and it was that, his first one, the bloody nose one. Yeah, yeah, and and. Uh, and you know, I kind of I made a little chunk of money because he got a, a, a record deal, and so like then then what happened? Oh yeah, and then uh, I'm uh, I ran into Billy Corgan, who I who was a big Skunk fan back in the day. Really? Yes. And uh, he asked me if he if I wanted to do do a project with with him, and we ended up doing that for uh, for two years. What was the name of that band? It was called the Zwan. Right. It was really fun. Like the first half of it was really, really fun. Like we, we for a year, in a year, we recorded a hundred songs. We never played any. You know, we just played lots and lots of music, and it was really, really you, fun. You think he's a good guitar player? He's a great guitar player. Yeah, yeah, he's incredible. Um, uh, 
and but then that that thing imploded because I think really he didn't really want to do what 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 we were doing. I think I think it was a kind of an experiment for him. What were you doing? I don't really know. Is it on record? It's on record. I I've never listened to the record. Um but some people like it. I remember that the record took a really long time to make. It just I think I think I wasn't the guy that 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 he hoped I was and invite and maybe vice versa for me and uh-huh. him and stuff like that. It got kind of weird. I mean, but he's a he's a character. <laughs> got kind of weird. Yeah. Um, okay. But anyway, but 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 I could there's probably enough nice things. So I, I did this thing for like 2 years and yeah. and then uh then all of a sudden I'm in my early 30s and that thing's done and all, and I'd, all of a sudden I was like a professional musician, you know what I mean? Which I swore I'd never be. Because you know? well, now you've managed, you've uh, you've yeah, done some A and R, you've delivered. Yeah, that, a that guy. was like in a kind of a right. You, you know how to finger pick with yeah. Sam. You were in Chavez. And yeah, now you just finished with Corrigan. And then I remember, I remember I had done, and also I started playing with. Oh, you know what I did actually when Chavez slowed down? I started playing with, with Bonnie Prince Billy. I started playing with Will. Yeah, um, which was a huge, huge thing. We had a mutual friend. Who was that? The, the mutual friend, yeah. Britt Walford, the drummer from Slint, this okay. band that Slint. I went, yeah, who I went to college with, actually. Um, so much college. Uh, well, that's I guess where it all starts. Every most bands are like upper middle class kids, yeah, who A like should be doctors. Yeah, you know, um, some of them apparently will do both, like your drummer. He'll yeah, just, well, he's so make a stint. God, he's amazing. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I started playing with Will. Uh, we met through through Britt. Yeah, and, and then then the Billy Corgan thing. All of a sudden, I'm done with the Billy Corgan thing, and I thought I was going to make some money. Yeah, doing what? Just, oh, with Billy, well, just, just yeah. from re- publishing stuff. Yeah, and, and like nothing. All of a sudden, I, I did a tour with Will. I was in, <laughs> I was in uh, Tasmania, at the Tasmanian Devil Park, and somehow I, I was again. I, I was still pretty spacey about money and just thought things would work out, man. Yeah, you know? yeah, man. I was like, yeah, you know, I was come in this on, band, you know, player. like, I'm yeah. going to get some money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the manager says it's going to come through, you know. So I remember going, I wanted to buy a T-shirt at the Tasmanian Devil Park and I put in my, my, my card in the ATM and I had like negative $25 in my bank account and I was in fucking Tasmania. And I re- that, that was like this incredible moment. That was the moment? Yeah, that was the moment where I was like, Whoa, I'm completely fucked, you know. And and I remember not to, uh, like, I I was embarrassed. To t- I didn't know what to do, you know. Yeah. Like like, and I'm like walk out and I'm like kind of ashen faced. Will's like, are you okay? I was like, yeah. Are we? Do we, we getting cash on this tour? And stuff, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that tone. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just wondering. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was so fucked. It was incredible, you know. And, yeah. and like, and I didn't have a day job, and like, I just didn't know what to do. And 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 then Will kind of sensed that I was motherfucked and yeah. and and he uh he I remember he wrote me and he said hey um I, I have a really big show in London that pays yeah. a lot of money you yeah. want, want to just have me and you play play the show and, right and and then I was like yeah, thanks yeah, yeah that's great yeah and then then he sent an email that said challenge and there were two lyrics and and he was like and he was like how about you make songs out of these lyrics and we'll play them at the London show so I was like okay yeah. you know and and I've never been asked to do that uh so I did, and and that's sort of how Superwolf got started. Was 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 we played these songs, and it was fucking terrifying. First, because I was used to playing loud rock bands, and all of a sudden, just me and a singer with some song that I just made up, and it's like a really big crowd, and and it was it was terrifying. And but really exciting, fun. fucking a, yeah, super exciting. So and, that's just it's just you and him on that record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who, yeah. Who and, played and, and, and and oh, and our, and our friend Pete Townsend, yeah. not that one. Yeah, uh, uh, Pete Townsend from Louisville plays plays drums on that, and and it's I, a pretty record. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so we that so Will really helped me out when I was you know like just didn't know what to do and then and then 
through that Super Wolf record, uh, Rick Rubin, I guess, heard it. Yeah. And uh, called me up out of the blue yeah. and just asked me to start. What did he say play. about the record? He said the nicest things in the world. I, I, would, I, would, I would sound like I was lying if I, if, if I actually quoted it because I'd, I'd sound like a dick. But he said really, really nice things about it. You know, like our, I was just like, like my end of the conversation was, yeah? Yeah. Really? Whoa, thanks. No way. <laughs> this fuck. is really Rick Rubin. Dude, wow. Fuck. <laughs> fuck. Cool. Really? You know? <laughs> and, and then, and, and he said, and he said, you know, he said he wanted to see if I was available to, to play in records. And, you know, so I said, fuck no. You know, hell no. No, I didn't. I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then I got a call like a couple of days later, you know, I was like, is, um, I'm calling from Rick Rubin's office. Is this Matt Sweeney? Yeah. Checking your availability to play on, on Johnny Cash uh, sessions. And I was like, I'm assuming these are overdubs because Johnny Cash had died. Yeah. And then there's like this beat on the other end. They're like, Mr. Cash uh, recorded two albums worth of material with the express purpose of them being finished after his death. Are, are you interested? So... I said, yeah, you know, like, uh, and then I kind of asked around a little bit about exactly what was going on. And sure, sure enough, he had done, done like 20 songs at his house when he was going, you know, and uh, they had been sitting on these, on these recordings, kind of dreading having to do it, but it was agreed. Like this, was right. like, it was like his will, you know, like, right. like uh, his last wish. Yeah. And, and I was the, and because Rick liked the, this record that I made with Will, I was the new guy and everybody else was like the guys who had played and all. It was basically, it was, it was Mike Campbell. The Heartbreakers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I've, I've, and I've never done any fucking studio stuff, you know, like that. So it was insane, you know, like, like, like so I show up, you know, and, uh, with your guitar. You know what? I didn't bring a guitar because I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't. I didn't even own an acoustic guitar, and and uh, and I figured they're gonna have a lot of guitars. It's like Rick Rubin, right. and, and also I kind of figured, well, well, I can't bring anything to the session. I can't. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I figured that I just have to improv, which, right? Which ended up kind of really working out well, um, because I didn't have to carry anything. So it was really. <laughs> Did nice. they have guitars? <laughs> yeah, there's like fucking tons you know it's like of course it's like you know like can i use this guitar yeah sure you know um like like good ones like, yeah dude like this guitar. yeah you can't just like yeah it's like yeah hundred guitars it's gross yeah it's, it's like um and uh and it was i remember going into rick rubin's house where where he this was in hollywood where he used to do a lot of recordings and 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 i went in through the basement and I heard this laughing from from the room. I just found found my way, and I took like a weird door. I, I took like a side door entrance, and I didn't want to meet anybody. I just wanted the Houdini to, house. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's On Laurel not, Canyon. That's not. No. Not. Not the. Oh, other his one. actual house. The thirteen thirty one Miller Drive, which I, I think he's gotten rid of. But yeah, not the Houdini house. This other house, which was, which also was a similarly uh-huh. fabulous haunted right. Hollywood mansion. Right. Um, and I remember going in through the basement and not telling anybody I had arrived and, and hearing this laughing, they hear this like, oh my God, like this like yeah. kind of hillbilly laughter. And I walk in and there's this guy sitting there lo- looking at a computer screen that I can't see what's on the screen. And uh, he's like, who are you? This scary yeah. guy. And uh, I was like, I'm Matt Swinney. He's like, oh, you're the new guy. Yeah. He's like, I was like, uh, yeah, I guess I am. He's like, well, I hope you're ready to make the best goddamn record of your life. And I was like, I... <laughs> Yeah, he's like, well, I'm Fergie. I've worked with Johnny Cash for 30 years, and I am so tired of doing this. This is killing me. <laughs> because he's like, bro, this is like really, this is sad shit. I hope you're ready to get into this. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, he was really like, he just like, and that that was another big moment for me. I was like, wow, I have to make a record for this guy. Yeah, because you know, this is the guy who 
is seeing through his his kind of mentors right. thing. Yeah. And, and and he was the only guy from Johnny Cash's world, I think, uh, that Rick brought along when right, right. Get, um so oh and then he was laughing at the computer screen because he had a picture of Jimmy Martin, who's this hillbilly singer. Yeah. In front of like a thousand dead squirrels. <laughs> what? Yeah, he was like looking at like <laughs> like hillbilly porn or whatever. Like <laughs> And and then and then all these other guys come in. And it's like I couldn't believe it. It was it was the most surreal thing. Like it's the, Who the came heartbreakers. In? Then, oh really? Then, like they show up. You know, Ben Mont and, and all of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm fucking freaking out. You know. And then and then it's never just, met him before. You no. just like I am mad. Yeah. I was just like this idiot. Like and I never. They had no idea. To, they don't know who the fuck I am. They've I've never been heard to Chavez. I had a weird. Yeah, moment. yeah. They don't know Will Oldham Chavez. Fuck no. They don't know any of that stuff. So and so I'm just this guy. You know. Yeah. And and uh, and then it was just Johnny Cash's voice to a click track. And we just sit there and figure out the the, the songs, and we we ended up recording just the like, melody, no guitar. There, they would you know it would be like we know it would be in the key of C, and they right. they, had, they had isolated the tracks, and, and he would just have his friends play when he was recording. He just right. have his friends play just as like a guide track, right? You know? And and uh, so then those guide tracks were wiped clean, and so we would just come raw up, voice, raw must voice. Must been haunting. It was fucking cool, and we just did it all live, and we and we ended up. Do, it, it was incredibly fun, you know what I mean. And and the I, first I, time you've ever been in a studio, I mean, and you're in there on with, that level, yeah, basically yeah. with the heartbreakers, yeah, <laughs> playing to the disembodied voice of Johnny Cash. Oh you know? my god, yeah, it was really strange. And uh, but that was were these original songs or covers? Both, yeah, uh, a lot of covers and some originals. Wow, um, yeah, and it yeah. was cool. And then and then and it went. It worked so well that then like Rick would let me stay late, and me and Ferg would kind of mess around with like that song ain't no grave yeah and and god's gonna cut you down were two that we kind of got to be like really mess with you know and like like i kind of turned it into a minor key song even though it was a major key song and stuff i, I, I mean just rick was so fucking nice that he let me it was just you and rick and ferg yeah and then rick would leave me like yeah if you want to try something go ahead you know <laughs> on those tracks is it only you and john no no i mean it's Smokey and mike and stuff like that but uh, uh mike campbell Smokey hormel who's who's plays on tons of rick stuff and Smokey made it all these guys were so nice to me that's the other thing is like Smokey and benmont were so friendly to me and they you know they could have been total jerks if they wanted to and, sure and rick had the best advice i was like so can i just play whatever i want he goes yeah do whatever you want we could always hit a race yeah. <laughs> just, you know and i was like oh right i guess i can just do that but yeah. i ended up being able to I, like i'm featured on on five and six like i could there's there's um there's a lot of a lot of you hearts a lot of what of me on there on the on the uh Cash five and yeah, six. Yeah, five and six, yeah. The posthumous Which, ones. Yeah, but, and, and they're hard to listen to because the vo- his, he's dying, you know what I mean? Like, like they're, they're, the vocals are tough. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of those records. I, I don't think that they're for everybody, you right. know what I mean? But, but uh, Ferg loves him, and, and Ferg, who's Johnny Cash's guy. That, and he loved him. That's what I, you know. That, and uh, So then I, then I just started working for Rick a lot, and so I get to meet all these, and I live in New York, and then I get to go out to L.A. and, you know, play with, like, Cat Stevens. <laughs> but what was it? Who else did you play with Neil Diamond too? Yeah, yeah. Did you do those? That's sessions? how I got my acoustic. Actually, is Neil Diamond gave me this insane acoustic guitar, and I always had this dream. I was like, I can't afford a Martin, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I was like, maybe someday some rich guy will like give me a Martin. I don't know. Like, right, like, right. How else would it happen? Right. And then, and then after I was friends with Neil, I went by one time. Me and Smokey went by his studio because we both happened to be in town. And he's like, Yeah, come by the studio. And there's and his son was getting rid of all these guitars. He's like, Yeah, look at this one. And he's this. Cr- 
beautiful beat up Martin. In LA? Yeah, yeah. He like right next to Cedar Sinai. Uh-huh. It's Sam Cooke's old studio. Uh, it's the it's the Liberty Records studio. Uh-huh. Neil's been in there since the early seventies, and it's fucking awesome. It's like frozen in time. Wow. Like nineteen seventy eight. Like amazing. Like, so you go over there after you record with Neil, so he knows you. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. The Rick again, the, similar. So the the Rick things, it just became this thing where it was like I couldn't believe that it was happening. You know, any session, I, I just couldn't well, believe. Well, I was which there. ones did you do? As far as like crazy legends that I couldn't believe, yeah, like like, like Neil Diamond, Cat Stevens. Rick recorded Cat Stevens. Yeah, the last one. Yeah, uh, he, he he ended up they. He did the raw tracks with Rick, and then he ended up finishing it in, in different studios and stuff. Uh-huh. But Neil Diamond, in particular, like I'm, I'm crazy about his. Really, music. It, it, I love so, Neil Diamond. Always have. Like, really, always. Yeah, yeah. Just, it's just like little. Because that's a pretty sparse record, you right? Oh, it's yeah. The, the record that we did I was like, there's like ten minute long, really sparse, weird songs. It was so much fun. It was really, really. Cool. So you get to know Neil. Yeah, he's he's, he's a pal. He's so dude. He sometimes like texts me and shit. Oh, really? It's fucking. It's, <laughs> I was, I was recording with a rapper actually yeah. recently and I was like I just got a text from Neil Diamond I could tell the rapper was just like kind of bummed it was yeah, like, all right. I, I was just kind of like you know I just I just won <laughs> I, <laughs> you know I, if, if rap is about being like cool what rapper uh, it was LP who's who's great he's a really good friend I love working with him and he does a thing called Run the Jewels now which is great I, I really recommend it it's, it's kind of blowing up you and Blake Mills are buddies yeah actually yeah I, I brought Blake and I actually introduced Blake to Rick because which was again classic kind of career suicide because that guy is a wizard yeah you know it's like I do pencil sketches and he's like a sculptor right you know guitar wise um Rick didn't know him either so what does Rick just sit up in the mountain I mean he gets he he gets he knows guys and and then he he has guys that he trusts right and, and stuff and so like in this case this was a kid rock record and and uh and he, Rick was like, yeah, you know, you know anybody else who'd be good for a guitar? You know, I was like, well, this guy Blake, you know, and that was Blake's first Rick session. And then all of a sudden I stopped getting Rick sessions and then Blake was No. <laughs> no. Well, actually a couple of times, but that's fine because I live in New York. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know what's neat is actually Blake, he's the best guitar player in the world, but I, I, he's. He doesn't step on. I never felt like right, right, you know, right. Like what? What's the Amadeus situation? Uh, Salieri. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a moment though. I do remember. I was like, "Is this going to be this? Did I just did completely you? fuck myself?" You know, <laughs> you got to tour with Cat Stevens. How the fuck did? Oh yeah. So what's great about the Rick things is that sometimes I'll hit it off with the, with the artists, and then then I'll just kind of do stuff outside of the Rick world. Just you know, just play shows and do some stuff. So I mean, again, the the. It was like the biggest golden pile of shit that I stepped in with. Well, I don't want to call Rick a golden pile of shit. It wasn't lucky. It just it, the lucky thing was that he heard the record. Yeah, I mean that's the weird thing about it. It happened it had an integrity to it. It's like who's that guy? Yeah, it was cool. And also, we didn't do any press for that record, the the Super Wolf record. That's the record I heard you on. Yeah, that that I I. It's been fucking ten years. It's so crazy. That's ten years old. Yeah. Was it you and Blake and Billy Gibbons who did Oh Well? Yeah, that was a thing where I, Rick had got, oh yeah, that's that's another obvious one, Billy Gibbons, as far as the Rick thing goes. Uh, I When we were working on the cash stuff. Did he do a ZZ Top record? Yeah, he did the last one. He did? Yeah. Oh, that's right. The, that's good. It is good. Yeah. Um, did you hear Did you hear Billy play fucking the Ballad of Billy the Kid on? It's fucking awesome. Why doesn't he do a whole record? Uh, I know. Well, so, okay, so dude, so so that, that's been an obsession of mine. But now let me just like preface this by saying, so you heard 
Billy play that thing on my on my podcast. Yes, and it's incredible. So I was talking to Rick about Billy Gibbons. He's like, well, I'm friends with him, but I never really checked out CZ Top like hardcore. I was like, really? You know? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, dude, the best band ever. Like the first five records. Yes, they are the greatest things ever. Yeah. Yes. And and uh, I mean, I can't. I, I can't. I'm I'm obsessed. And so Rick started talking to Billy about making a record. Right. And, and then I sent. Rick an email saying, you know, if you're talking to Billy about making a record, I think you should talk to him about Peter Green because I, I, as far as I can tell, that could be a good dialogue opener. You know what I mean? Like as far as... That know, should be the dialogue opener with every guitar player. I know, player. it's true. Yeah, And and Peter Green, for, for listeners, is the... Well, they know, my listeners know. I okay, never yeah. shut up about Peter Green. Yeah, yeah. So the original Fleetwood Mac guitar player. Fleetwood Mac guy, the, the best... The and, wizard of blues. The yeah. best blues player. Yeah, and, and, and somehow doesn't sound like a white guy trying to be black. I don't know it's what just, it is. It's transcendent. It's just transcendent. It is, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so Gibbon sees that email that I wrote to Rick and he's like, Billy wants to meet you. He wants to... He wants to write with you, and I, just, I you know, it was the, the great, uh, you know, the greatest phone call I've ever gotten. You know, right. So, I got instructions from Rick. Yeah, meet up with him and and play music that he likes. Get him back into music because it seems like he sort of hasn't been that inspired. You know, like right. lately. So this was like my job. You know, <laughs> like to get. Was, to fucking hang out with Billy Gibbons and like listen to Fleet like like listen to the Boston Tea Party Fleetwood Mac. You Did know, you? Is legs. that what you played with oh, him? Fuck yeah! yeah. I, well, I mean, we were just like. Jesper from Endless Boogie, who's a who's a friend of mine, who who's like a music, you know, he's like wizard. a crazy record collector, right? Yeah. Well, Paul Major and Jesper, yeah, two of the guys in the band are like in Endless know, Boogie. Yes, yeah. they're out in the island, right? They're, no, actually, I called the record Long Island just because I thought it would be cool. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, no, they're all they're they're all around here. Yeah. Um, but Jesper is this is a great. I made this crazy mixtape with my friend who like who has like the libraries of music yes, and stuff. Yeah. And, and he's and an endless boogie he's guitar an, player. He's an endless boogie. And we made like five CDs called Vibe Action for, for Billy Gibbons of just like inspirational Ripping them from vinyl. Vinyl, every, you know, yeah. like everything. You yeah. Know? And 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 uh and that was sort of like, hey Billy, you know, I'm this guy mad who wrote the thing. You're trying to reprime the Gibbons pump. And dude, he took to it. It was like it's just like, yeah, dude, check out this, you know, and, and we'd listen to music and then play a bit and like and we did this for a week and it was it was the greatest I mean, I remember like that at the end of the first day, Gibbons was like, Well, this just couldn't have gone any better. And I was like, I can't fucking believe this, this is awesome. <laughs> and then What were some of the other songs you were playing? I I mean what what was I playing? I mean, like he knew the Peter Green shit. Didn't yeah, he? he knew the Peter Green stuff, but he hadn't listened to it for a while. But he's right. like, you know, he's like, this is the you know, that was like, it, that was his guy. I think. Yeah, yeah. And then a lot of African rock. Like there, there's a good compilation called Africa Rocks. A band called Witch. Uh -huh. A band called Amanaz. Rich, I know Witch. You know I just Witch? got they just reissued bitching. their vinyl. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, just like kind of stuff that I knew that Gibbons would like, but maybe hadn't heard because that—that's what's cool about rock music. It is—it is infinite the amount and of then, stuff that 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 you know that you haven't heard. Right, that's great. You know, and so. you just sat with him and you'd follow. You'd get the guitars out and you'd yep. follow him. We would just kind of make shit up. Yeah, right. and and it—it uh, it should be noted, none of these songs ever got used, <laughs> and uh, but we had this incredible hang. Then I went back to do it again, and the vibe was completely different. And and Gibbons didn't seem to be into it anymore. And then I and then they started working on the record. And I was like, shit, did I just like blow it with Billy uh. Gibbons somehow? You know. And then then he, he met Blake, and then Blake was like, Gibbons wants to do something with me, and you like, let's just do it. You know. And so, yeah. And then then there was the full circle back to the to doing the the, the single. Yeah, and doing a Fleetwood Mac thing. And I mean, I was hoping that that would be the beginning of something. Where we could just, I think he's you know, afraid. 
Yeah, I, 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 it, he, he's so complicated. He's so brilliant, that guy. And but it's just interesting that because like that Rick Rubin's Easy Top record, it's like it's in the tradition of those original Rick Rubin records where it's like we're gonna we're gonna make his Easy Top record like, the way it used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's good. Yeah. It's okay, and his riffs are good. Right. But it's weird because he's so like these guys get older, and you so want them to to honor their 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 depth. Right. And I think a lot of them are just nervous to do it. If there's that, and also it, you you forget. And I've learned this from talking to these older guys. Like I asked Gibbons about those '70s records. He's right. Like, oh God, it was. I mean, we'd just be sweating in a room, having to hang out with each other, and just working and working. And just, I was like, Yeah, yeah, you know? like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. You know, but but like those memories probably aren't that great. You know, like like like. I for guess them, so. You know? that, that was something to be transcended. Yeah. Well, you know. Well, how about I always hear about like Skinnerd, you know, working in a in a like a warehouse yeah. that that was so hot and it was hot on purpose. Yeah. And they when Al Cooper found them, they were just these sweaty guys that had been pounding these songs so hard. They, yeah, they knew them in their sleep. Yeah, and 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 so you're like, you know what, guys, you, why don't you get back to that? They're like, because I, I don't Fuck want that. to. I fucking hated doing that yeah. shit. You know? I mean, that, that that's one thing I found, and also a lot of people's like great work was they were kind of miserable in their personal lives. Then they become fucking millionaires. They live under a rock of wealth and fame. You know, and and they've watch. got a sound. Yeah, that, you know that. But, but I mean, but th I really think I swear I have noticed this that like guys yeah. who are hugely successful, they're not interested in people who aren't hugely successful. They're not interested in the records that they made that didn't sell. They, it's just I, I think it's just something about money and 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 power that makes people, um, not interested in going for something that doesn't equal money i swear I think, yeah, but but after a certain point like i mean they already made their money i mean it's not like that that's easy top record didn't make money i know but they still think that way i swear. I know they still think they're gonna get do the next zz top record yeah, yeah it's over i know i know and, and and also it's like as far as i know most of the things that end up really popping are things that you just made because you think was were fucking awesome right you know right, and then right. and then, and and then even people it, pick up on it but but I've just seen this with, with, with some bigger like acts who are just used to how things go. They're like, yeah, we need a hit that, that whole mentality, you know? Yeah, but and, it's weird because it's so gone. Like Levon Helm knew better than others, you know, before he died and he was recording those. I think he recorded on Vanguard. Yeah. The Dirt Farmer stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome. I mean, it's, yeah. It, it's for the people that want to find that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you got to stop thinking about hits. Yeah. I know. You know, I and know. it's like, even the Rolling Stones will write, make new songs or a new record. But like when I talked to Keith Richards for 10 minutes, mm -hmm. You know, I said to him, why don't you guys make a blues record? He's like, well, that's been kicking around for a while. It's like, we'll just do it. Because yeah. if you listen to Love You Live, the yeah. Elmo Combo side. Yeah. It's like, where's that fucking record with that outfit? That they can make in five fucking seconds. In a second. I know. I know but it's, 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 again, I'm sure. Did you ever see that thing where, where, where uh, Ronnie and Keith played with uh, with Dylan on the Sun City record? No. Like, uh, uh it was weird because I remember seeing it uh, at the concert when they recorded. They like early '80s shit. Well, yeah, it was it was thrown together. Right. You know, uh, it was Bob Dylan in the in the middle of uh, of Keith and and I think Ronnie, mm -hmm. and they all had guitars, mm -hmm. and it was it was pretty great. Mm -hmm. And then there was another song in that record called um, "Silver and Gold" mm -hmm. that I think Keith played on that record. The Sun City record's kind of interesting. Oh, huh, cool. There's some weird players on there, but um, but I just don't like. It's like you guys have already done it. Yeah. You're you're done with that. Yeah, yeah. You you won. Yeah. So now honor your roots. I would be great. I, I it's, <laughs> it, it's this. I don't know. I don't get it either. But I I just came to understand that it has something to do with these guys not wanting to lose money, not wanting to appear unsuccessful. I think it's a it's they, fear. They, yeah, it's fear. It's all fear. It's absolutely fear for sure.
For sure. You know what I mean? And I don't know if there's anything we can do. Like that, like I, I just hold on to that little, I have it on my desktop. That the Gibbons fucking, thing? Yeah. They, I was so excited because I was listening to that to that interview, just enjoying it. And yeah. then then when you did that, I was like, no, oh my God, oh my God. And it's so fucking good. So good. It's so good. It's so good. He's yeah. like, And I don't want to appear disrespectful talking about the fucking millionaires, blah, blah, blah. But I do think it's true. It's like it's like they get used to. I think it's more being and, entrenched in in what they think they they're supposed to do. Yeah, like you know, because you, you it's very hard. Even when you listen to, the, to Tom Petty, right. it's like this is a guy you know was greatest American songwriters in the world, mm. and and then you know where you're expected to keep churning out this thing, right? And 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 they've all gone through it, right. and I think that's still in their head. They think that's the thing they churn out. Yeah, I, and I don't know that. Like, I don't know that Billy would necessarily even see that big of a difference between '70s Easy Top and what they evolved into. I think he knows that the syncopated drum beat was not a good thing, right? And and his answer to that is is that we were trying to get chicks to dance to it, which right. is fine, right? You can you know, but like I don't think he sees any difference between any of that. I think he would just want, uh, yeah, I, I don't, it's easy and, and, we, and we talk about it a lot, we would have like kind of long kind of circular conversations about it, and then it really did occur to me, I was like, I'm just some fucking like, like I'm gonna, I think to them, like I'm gonna, a guy like me is like an obscurist, yeah, who's into things that are cool, and, and eventually the guys are like, you know what, just because it's, you're just this guy who thinks that things are cool, and you just, you know, like if it's obscure, it's good. You know what? I'm not like that. That's, right. That's, yeah. that's what the successful I'm Billy guy Gibbons. says. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm you know what I mean? Guy. Yeah. And, and, and to be fair, Gibbons really does love a lot of, no, he's, uh, you know, he's a, and, and he's also a, he loves a lot of weird shit for sweetheart. sure. Sweetheart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he, yeah, he was weird shit. You yeah. Know, like yeah. That, that story he told in the podcast about like hanging out with Hendrix and oh. Hendrix dragging the stereo down the hall to hear like Jeff Beck. Yeah. Like, they sit there and go like, what the fuck is Jeff Beck doing? It's so awesome. I mean, dude, what about Gibbons talking about Alex Chilton? Yeah. I mean, Big Star and fucking ZZ Top were making records at the same studio at the same time, which just blows my mind. That's oh, crazy, know? man. Yeah, I remember G Gibbons, actually, this is interesting. He goes, Alex Chilton, now he was interesting. He uh, he was a guy who who really could have been very successful, but he chose to be a homeless. <laughs> <laughs> So that I think that like you know you forget like in in all our, in the way that music is fragmented in the way that you came up in music that you know these guys came from the time where we're like we're gonna make a billion dollars yeah 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 I mean I think that's and probably they fucking right did. and they yeah, did yeah you know yeah I mean yeah so so guys like that I would I mean I would love it I, I think that Billy's absolutely got it in him for sure I mean yeah. he's a god he he's, is he's just so great so tell me about this endless boogie thing that was another one of those records where I got out of nowhere what label is that on that's on a little label called No Quarter which is a really small but really good label somebody Every sent me that record and like you know I'm going through records and it's so it's weird with me because I get like a lot of records yeah and I'll throw them all on for one play yeah and, and and occasionally like you know throw something on and I'm just go about my business and I'll walk back into the room I'm like the fuck is this <laughs> <laughs> that was like that was that record yeah Endless Boogie was one of my it was I, the dark I, it was the weird yeah, sort of mountain Long, Long Island yeah oh yeah yeah which and that's a painting from uh from Norway from the from like 1908 and it looks exactly like Paul Major it looks like the guy who's okay. in yeah, yeah like yeah. it's freaky um Endless Boogie was a band that was uh, started as like a fun bunch of record collectors playing music in, in a rehearsal space that was my rehearsal space and eventually and they started playing shows out after years of playing just in a they're old guys space. right yeah 
Paul's like 60. What's um, his name again? Paul Major. He's that's, a, that's his Christian name, Paul Major. And he's like, a, he's sort of notorious, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. He kind of defined, a, he kind of invented a record market of, of uh, rec- what do they call, people call it real people music or private press records, mm-hmm. like records that major labels didn't make that people actually made themselves. That made, they made yeah, like a lot of those copies. are being reissued now. Yeah, Vanity Fair. Yeah, Paul kind of invented people finding that shit yeah oh um, really yeah he's he's so cool um and so sweet like the dark album or do you know that album? Yeah, yeah paul found that record because um, you can't find the real one i mean the real can't. one's worth something like five thousand dollars right so yeah. like like there's i'm getting a lot of those weird because you know do you know you know you must you know daniel cook do you know daniel cook Daniel cook yeah 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 yeah. well he's he's got his joint now is out in la it's right around the corner from oh me. fucking dude say hi to daniel he's fucking awesome it's great guy yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so amazing. he but he gets all these re-releases of those records yeah and i get them through him you're stoked that's that, yeah that, yeah because that, you have your wild. dealer yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so paul and jesper from boogie were those guys for me who were right. just like always turning me on to stuff and they had this band and i they were my favorite band forever like i i had seen I remember I saw Crazy Horse and Endless Boogie on the same night, and I swear to God, there was it was, I I could not pick one from the other as far as like what was godlike guitar. Really perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul can really do it. Yeah. And then then I just started playing. When they started making records, I started playing with them and kind of sort of co-producing the records and stuff. So I kind of ended up being the third guitar player in, in endless boogie and that's so that's the thing that i do whenever i can i make records with them whenever i can well i guess my question to you then as a guitar player and as somebody who i, I appreciate your guitar playing because you're not you know you're not a stand-up out front you know yeah, yeah. showboat I like no i like to and you it seems like you've learned from you know from insecurity <laughs> and and sort of evolving through hatred and <laughs> well there's that but there's also the the reality of like showing up to do those cash records and realizing that you can't be a showboat yeah and you're up against some real shit and you've mm-hmm. got to be sort of honest about how you play mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that you found the honesty of how you play my grandmother was influential because she was really into a company a company is yeah uh she she worked for David O. Selznick, like the Gone with the Wind producer. Yeah. She was really into movies. And she would always talk about the piano player, like like about how, how beautiful this piano playing is right. against this vocal and yeah. how like how the music's almost invisible and stuff. And, right. and, and that, I remember that always kind of stuck in my head. And I remember I really I, I had that in mind when all of a sudden I was with these great singers. I was like, okay, don't play when they're singing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you do not like, not time for lead licks don't, yeah and then and then play something off of what when they're not singing play something simple that's sort of like what they sang that's my fucking that, that that's what i do you know i mean uh-huh. that, like and, and that's kind of what most i think people would do you and know? But, also, but I, I never thought about that you right know? like i never thought about that like as as simple as that right you know? and and that's that's what i learned kind of i really i started picking up on that from playing with with will oldham and stuff you know he he taught me a lot about how to play with a singer you right. know what i mean right uh, so that's kind of what i do you and know? also it's like it's a clean sound yeah yeah you know, even if the guitar is dirty you know what i mean yeah yeah for sure yeah i mean yeah because again I don't, i'm i'm such a luddite and a spaz that i can't deal with pedals and and my, I, I don't think my hearing is particularly I'm not like I'm not great at mixing. I'm not right. like a really I'm not a I'm not a tone freak. And but I think if you play with your fingers, you just you kind of will get a good sound. And like I, I fuck, I, I wish we had some guitars. I know, dude. So I show almost, me that thing. Fucking, I almost brought one. Well, you're gonna be a town. I'll, I'll, I'll we'll, we'll just come. Yeah, you could come come do it some. Let's do some. Uh, come do a comedy show. Yeah, dude, I'd love to. All I'd right, totally love to. Well, you got to go eat with your mom. Yes, I do. All right, man. Good talk. Great, thanks. Uh-huh. 
Matt Sweeney, check him out, man. Check out that Super Wolf record and everything else. You know, go have a superiority burger. Do what you got to do. Go hang out with Matt. He's fun to hang out with. Oh, JustCoffee.coop. You get the WTF blend. I get a little on the back end. God, where's that fucking guitar, man? Fender champ forever.